Good morning and welcome to the Try Faster Triathlon podcast where we're going to talk about triathlon news, training, and coaching. Uh, my name is Michael and today I'm joined by my co-host Keith. Good morning. Morning, Michael. Um, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about some triathlon-related news, Ironman World Championships, moving to St. George, Ironman California preview, and we're going to be sharing information about what our off-season looks like. Before we get into that, though, this is our first podcast, so we want to share a couple things really quickly. Uh, first, why we're doing this, Keith and I have been in triathlon for many, many years, over a decade. It's a passion of both of ours. Off the course, we love talking about it, and we wanted to share some of these conversations with all of you. On the course, though, Keith and I are very different. Uh, Keith is, is a front-of-the-pack former pro, and myself, I'm a back-of-the-pack, uh, mid-pack age grouper, and we bring an interesting contrast to a lot of the conversations that we're going to have today, and we think it should be very entertaining for all of you. Um, the format that we went through is what we're going to try to accomplish in, in each of our future podcasts, a little bit of a news session where we're going to talk about any racing that's going on, preview any of the upcoming races, uh, and perhaps even talk about some upcoming tech or bike news that, that we might be interested in having conversations about. We're also going to talk about our training and give you guys a little bit of a coaching update. So um, with that, a little bit more detail about each one of us, we're going to do some quick introductions. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Keith to start us off. All right. Thanks, Michael. Um, like you said, I've been in triathlon for about 20 years now, and uh, it's just a, a big passion of mine. And so I've been throwing around this podcast idea for a while. And um, I thought that Michael would be the perfect person to do it with. So I'm really excited to get this started. Um, Right now, I am coaching triathlon full-time after I, I did race pro for a few years, like Michael said, um, but now I'm just uh, racing and trying to do as much coaching as I can. I spent the last few years uh, teaching high school physics, um, but recently just uh, moved out of the classroom and into full-time coaching. And so um, I am a USAT certified coach, and I've gotten to do all kinds of uh, different races and events all over the U.S., and uh, I'm just looking forward to sharing some of those experiences and sharing some coaching knowledge with you guys. And then also uh, Michael and I, we met at Oklahoma state a long time ago. So that's kind of how this, this all started. So uh, let's hear a little bit about you, Michael. Yeah. Thanks Keith. And yeah, it was a long, long time ago. Um, graduated Oklahoma state myself in 2011. Um, but my first triathlon goes all the way back to 2009. So, um, Opposite of Keith, I don't have any coaching credentials. You're not going to hear much coaching advice from me. Uh, the perspective I bring to the table, my background is, is very much as a back-of-the-pack, mid-pack age grouper. Definitely someone that's been improving over the years. But I started in triathlon over 13 years ago. And when I first got into it, I, I was that guy that watched that Kona special and was like, wow, that was really cool. I saw it on ABC 60 minutes, Chrissy Wellington. And I was like, I want to go out there and try it. Um, so bought a cheap bike, signed up for my first triathlon. It was an Olympic distance race. I about drank all the water in the lake of the swim. I think I biked like 15 miles an hour and tore my legs up in, in the process, got off the bike and, and pretty much was like doing the Ironman shuffle in an Olympic distance race. So um, that's where I started pretty much pretty much at the back of the pack when I was 19 years old. And one thing that I certainly take pride in is that every single year that I've been doing triathlon, I feel that I've improved overall. Um, it's not necessarily that I've improved in each discipline overall, but when you, when you think about swim, 
bike and run every single year, I think that I've gotten a little bit better. And really what that's kind of uh, culminated in is, is even this last year, and I know it was probably diluted a little bit, diluted a little bit, the 70.3 world championships in St. George because of, of some of the travel bans and all. Um, but I you know, was fortunate enough to be able to qualify for the 70.3 world championships. Very proud of that. Um, and, and it definitely goes to show that every single year, consistent, dedicated approach to training and improving yourself can really pay off. And, and that's kind of the perspective that I, I hope to bring to the, to the table um, more on the personal side married. I have an 18 month old son. We have another kid on the way. So, um, perhaps I'll also be able to share with all of you, some of the challenges of being a, a, a new slash, uh, newer father, uh, to the table uh, entails. So I think that, you know, pretty much covers the introductions for now, of course. And, and as we go through this, we're going to share a little bit more about ourselves each and every week. So, um, I know we look forward to do that. Let's go also transition to some of the news because this is, there's a couple of things in here that I'm super excited to talk about and get your perspective on Keith. And, and the first one I already alluded to is the Ironman world championships is moving to St. George for 20, the, the 2021 race, which was delayed to February in Kona is now pushed to St. George in May. And the, the questions that come to my mind, is this good or is this a good or a bad move for Ironman to move the world championships? And should Ironman consider rotating the world champs moving forward? Yes, I think this is a really good move. I think that all of the pros have been just waiting to get a world championship in. And I, I think that they deserve to have that race. Um, I'm really excited that it is a different place and we can kind of see how it plays out outside of Kona. Because that's really the only race every year where everyone shows up and they're in good shape and it's the main race. Because all the other Ironman races out there, even when there's a handful of good pros there, the dynamics are just so much different. Um, but at the World Championship, uh, the packs are bigger out of the water. And so the dynamic of a World Championship is just a lot different than when there's, you might still even have 10 or 12 good pros at an Ironman, but they're spread out more. Um, whereas at Kona, it's, it's always so much closer. Um, so I'm really excited that they get a chance to, to race. I do think it's a little interesting, though, that Ironman is allowing all the people that were already registered into the World Championship. And so that is a, a slightly different dynamic. Yeah, like, so if you were already registered in St. George, you get to say you race the World Championship? That is correct. That's, yeah, I don't, I don't like that at all. I'll give yeah. you my, my perspective, you know, so I, I told you, I got into triathlon because I watched that broadcast about Kona, right? So like when I got into triathlon, I never have, I, I, I never once thought I'd have a chance, but to get to the world championship, but if I did, it sure as hell better be in Kona, right? Um, to me, I think it would be devastating to, to, from a amateur perspective, and maybe this goes more to the question, should Ironman rotate the world championships out of Kona every other year, every year? I don't know. I don't think that they should. I think it would be really bad for the age grouper field because the age groupers want to go to Kona. Uh, I do agree with you though. Like, sure. It might make sense right now to move the pro field to another race because Hawaii and the lockdown and the restrictions they've had, we just don't know if that February race was going to happen or not. 
Um, so I get it. I completely understand why, why they should move that out of there. I don't know why they should though call this a, the amateur world championships as well. I, to me, that that's a little questionable. Um, so yeah, my, my perspective is good. Move it out of the, move the world champs this year for the pro field. Don't move it ever again for the amateur field and, and interesting. You're laughing right now, but no, Talbot Cox, I don't know if any of you follow him on his social media on Instagram, he did a quick poll and this could be a little biased because he has more probably North American followers than other areas of the world. But he asked the question on his own social media, should Ironman rotate the world championships out of Kona? It was 80, 90% of people were saying no. So I, I hope Ironman listens to that. If they do decide to rotate it out of Kona in the future, that they, that they're actually making that decision based off feedback that they're hearing from their, from their fans. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure that they do that. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I don't know about that with Ironman. They might not listen too much, but uh, <laughs> I would love to see it rotate. I think as a as a a regular person, I wouldn't mind going to a world championship somewhere else. I think that's the coolest part of seventy point three worlds. Um, but just like you, growing up in the sport, I did my first triathlon when I was ten, and so I remember watching the Kona special way way back twenty years ago, and that is a really special location. Um, but what would you think if they rotated the pro world championship every year and the age groupers went to Kona? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. Cause then it, does that, does that change how I feel about going to like, if I ever got the chance to qualify for Kona, I go there, but the pros aren't there. Yeah. I don't know, that the special thing weird. about triathlon is you can race on the same course as the pros and you want them to have the same stakes that you have. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't have, I don't know how, how that would make me feel, but, um, at the least perhaps, yeah, maybe, maybe there's an alternative there. I don't know what that helps though. I don't know how that would help Ironman is if hey, if the race is still going on in Kona, why rotate the pro field out of Kona? Not sure. It, how that it helps. would just defeat yeah. all the pros that claim that they can't win in Kona, but the best guys are going to win anywhere. Right. That's right. Yeah. But I think the really interesting part about this for 2022 is going to be having two world championships so close together uh, because there aren't that many Ironmans between now and the St. George World Championship. And so no one is really qualified yet. And so I think it's going to be really fun to get to watch the pro races um, as the next year goes on because most of them still need to qualify. Um, but they are going to let more people qualify from the St. George race. I believe what they've decided is the top eight men and the top eight women will get an automatic spot in Hawaii. But then that still leaves about 40 pros that need to qualify somewhere else. And so um, all those pros that are in St. George and May might not get, they might have to jam three Ironmans into a pretty short period of time. Um, and two of them will be world championships. Not to mention if they all go to the same race and try to qualify. And uh, then you're talking three, four, five Ironmans in five months to just get to Kona in October. Yeah. So I think that would be really fun to watch. Well, there's a couple other qualifying opportunities out there. Uh, Mayorka, which is happening this coming weekend. Ironman California, which we want to talk about in preview, happening in just over a week from today. So let's jump into that. Ironman California, which before St. George, 
an Ironman announced this world championship move. There was some rumoring going on that Ironman California would be potentially the official or at the least the unofficial world championships for 2021. Uh, so that race, at least on the start list, has a pretty stacked field. So, so Keith, um, what, what story of Ironman California are you most eager to follow? I'm the most excited to see Gustav Eden in his first Ironman. I, I think a lot of people are talking about Jan Frodeno potentially trying to break his world record again because this California course is going to be really, really fast. But I just I can't wait to see if Gustav can come off the bike within reach of Jan and if he's able to catch up on the run. I think that's going to be the best, the the most exciting part of this race is how fast can Gustav run a marathon off the bike. Um, but Jan is probably going to uh, to go really fast, um, maybe under 730. It's kind of what I've heard out there. I don't know if he'll, if he'll be able to do that or not by himself. You're shaking your head, maybe not. <laughs> That's, I mean, you know, it's just it's so crazy fast. I, I When I look at the start list, and there's still a couple question marks out there. I've heard Cam Worf is, is kind of a question mark. It was a little over a week ago that Lionel Sanders posted the video that he's done for the season. And we just heard two days ago that, he you know, he is coming to California. So I'm pretty sure the whole thing with Lionel Sanders, it wasn't whiplash, but, but Lionel and Talbot Cox, they do such a good job of building hype with the videos and the social media. So, so I love that. Thank you, Lionel, for doing that. Because because I was pretty hyped when, when I saw that you are going to be in California. You're going to be there with Cam. You're going to be there with Gustav. Maybe Cam Worth. Uh, I, it's awesome. Uh, I think really what I'm looking forward to seeing is how fast are they going to are you going to have to run to win this race? Because I think it's a flat bike. No, there's not going to be too much separation. Um, and if there is anyone that pulls away from the field, it would be because Cam Worth shows up. Um, if Cam can get away, how much does he save his legs for the run? Will he be a podium contender? But for me, when I look at the potential podium, here, here's my prediction. I'll, I'll go ahead and throw it out there. I'm going to go with Jan. He's the winner. Gustav Eden, number number two. Uh, it, only because, and I totally respect the the pedigree of athlete that he is, but it's his first Ironman. And there has to be some unknowns there for him in that, in that effort where, where John's a season pro he's proven it and he's going for a world record potentially. And in third, I know we have Ben Hoffman, Hoffman, Matt Russell, uh, Tim Reed has done some fast times as well, but, but Cam Worth, if he shows up, I think he has potential to, to land that last podium spot. Lionel, I'd love to see you there as well. Uh, but, but I think you just get edged out. A little bit if cam doesn't show up i put lionel at third all right i think i'm going to have a completely different podium i think all right i think that gustav's gonna win i'm i'm going to go with the dark horse and, and i'm going to say first iron man he's going to win and uh, jan's going to get second um i just think that gustav's going to have it on the run i know that jan is is the best and he might he might be the best ever right now but I think Gustav's coming, and I'm really excited to see that. Um, I do agree with you on Tim Reed, though. I'm, I'm going to take Tim Reed for for third. Um, he was on another podcast just a few weeks ago, and he's in the U.S. training by himself. He's 
he's over here just for a couple months so that he can train and race and focus. His family is in Australia. He's got an uninterrupted training in at Boulder, and I think I think he's going to get third. Wow, that's a hot so look take. Out, look yeah. out for Matt Russell, though. I think Matt Russell with a really strong run. Um, Justin Metzler's on this list too. So there's a couple of really good guys that could mix it up up there at the front. Yeah, I like I like Justin Metzler. I like watching his videos too. I just don't know if he can. This is going to be a blazing fast run. You got to be able to run to compete in this field. So that that was that's my main concern, and I guess that's why I'm looking so much to watch it. Looking forward so much to watching this race because they're going to have to kill themselves on that run course. Yeah, I think I think someone's going to run under six minute miles. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. It's going to be fun to watch. Cool. Um, so let's kind of then jump into some of our training and coaching conversations this time of year for a lot of people, you probably finished the last race that you're going to compete in. Um, myself, that was 70.3 world's champs in St. George, uh, Keith, I know you're still racing, but many of us are looking at the off season. It's either here or it's coming very, very soon. Uh, and I want to get a little bit of perspective from you with maybe first off, what does, what does an off season even mean? Because to me, sometimes it was just, Hey, that's the time between the last time I raced and then kind of the next time I raced. that's probably not the right way to look at it. Um, what's your perspective? Uh, to me, I, I think your off season in, as far as my coaching and the athletes that I work with, I look at the off season as really that first preparation period so it's not when you start to get specific it's not that entire time between your last race and your first race but i think it's the preparation period before you really start to train and ramp things up before the first race of the year and so for someone that's probably just finished you're coming off an october race and you're looking forward to an april or may race i would say that your first two or three months november december january that's probably what you would call your your real off season but then when you start really ramping things up in February, I think that's when we would say that you're, you're definitely in season now. Okay. I mean, that that's helpful. Uh, and the one thing I'll, you know, I want to share some of the past errors that I've made, um, not so much over the last handful of years, but especially when I first got into triathlon, my last race was probably even a little earlier than it was this year. It was probably like August or maybe even late July here because i live in chicago illinois and my last race would be some point in august i put the bike up put the running shoes away and my next race is probably in april or may and i probably wouldn't even start training again until january um, so my off season was seriously off of any type of working out and, and and i know that i made some major mistakes in doing that in viewing the off season as you know hey i'm not going to do anything I'm not going to prepare for anything. And I lost a whole lot of fitness. So I want to do it a lot better. Um, so help me with that. What, what does, what does your off season look like this year, Keith? So for me, the first thing that, that I would do is start to kind of identify those main races for the next year. I know sometimes that's a little bit hard, especially with the fall races, because we may not know the dates yet, but I think just kind of have that penciled in you know, what are your, what are your a priority races and just kind of have a, a plan and how you're going to get there. Um, but I think that the first step of the off season is really trying to recover from the season that just finished first. Um, and just make sure you take a little time, take a week, take two weeks, three weeks, and just let your body recover, especially if you've been training a lot. Um, I think it's good to, to make sure you take a break 
uh, before you get into really serious training again. Uh, yeah, but um, so, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I, I was going to say that's exactly what what I've done this year with your guidance is. So after seventy point three world champs, I took pretty much three weeks off entirely. Um, some minor little jumped on the bike, went for an easy jog type of things, but pretty much three weeks off entirely. One of those weeks was spent at Disney world walk, walking around. Um, so it's not necessarily zero life stress, um, uh, or physical stress, but it, it's pretty much low to no physical activity stress. Um, and I, and I think that's helped me a lot just to kind of reset that first week I was off, I was totally done. I didn't want to touch the bike or go for a run or think about swimming. The second week I decided to do a light bike ride and an easy run. And then when we were in Disney world this last week with the family, I'm itching and begging pretty much like, I can't wait to get back, get back on the bike and get the training process started, which definitely wasn't how it always used to be for me. When I first started triathlon, it was easy for me to put everything away. Um, but the more and more I've gotten into this sport, it's like, Hey, no, I, you know, I got the itch. Let me get back into it. Um, and just that little bit of a break really helped reset things. Yeah. And I think it was interesting that you mentioned life stress. And so I'm, I'm approaching this, uh, my off season a little bit differently in my head. I've already started. I still have three, three races left this year, but, uh, for me, just, um, transitioning out of the classroom, that's all happened in the last couple of weeks. And so for me, I've had a lot of life stress and I haven't really trained. And so I am just going through these last three races and I'm kind of going to spend about a month, um, going through these races, just kind of easy volume, um, just because I've been so fatigued the last couple of months. Um, and so that is something you do need to take into account, um, not just in the off season, but when you're in season two is the life stress balance, because you do get some fatigue from that and your, your training peaks, isn't going to show you the life stress fatigue. It only shows your training fatigue. And so that's something that you do need to kind of keep in mind as you're planning. And I think that's a good thing to think about, um, as we get into the winter, you know, when, when Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and those holidays come around that it's your off season and maybe you've already started to ramp the training up, but it's okay to take a few days, you know, take a few days off, take a few days easy. You're not going to lose a lot of fitness uh, around those holidays, especially with, with travel and family time and things like that. You're still going to have enough life stress that you might not get a whole lot out of your training anyway. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing you say is like the off season is the best time to give yourself a break, yes. right? Like we we've been training, and you've been helping me set, you know, we, we were working together through 2020, but we really picked it back up for this year in like December, early December, late November last year. And we've been going nonstop from December all the way through the end of September. And there really hasn't been much of a break. If your off season is just happening or you haven't yet given yourself a break, it's really important. Give yourself a physical break, give yourself a mental break so that when it is time to uh, you know, Keith, as you said, get back into the training, you're eager, you're wanting to jump right into it and your body's ready for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, just like, a, just a, one more thing on that is, you know, unless your end of season race, if, if your a race is Daytona or Indian Wells, I think that you're fine to just kind of relax, you know, Thanksgiving break, take a break, you know, plan that as a down week, but uh, for most of us, I think we're, we're starting to wrap it up now. Yeah. For those that don't know, those are December races, both of those, right? Yes. Those are both, I think the yeah. last two major North American races of the year. 
Yeah. So those would be totally, those would be a unique challenge to try to get through the Thanksgiving holiday break. And wow. Uh, Good luck to all of you out there that might be racing in those events. So we look forward to, to seeing those results. So, um, I'll share my, my focus. We've, we've spent some time chatting about this already a little bit, Keith, but my focus for this year's off season, um, one, I've already started to pick up the training to get back into some easy aerobic base training, but, um, you mentioned, Hey, now's the time to really evaluate what, what went well for you last year, what didn't. Um, and what, when I look over, back over the last year, this off season, I need to focus in on my strength. Um, I think, and not necessarily arm strength or leg strength independently, but, but a lot of core strength. That's something I've probably said every single year since I've been doing triathlon. Um, but having a stronger core is something I need to focus more in on when the training volume picks up during the season, unfortunately that and stretching uh, mobility are the first things to go. So when I think about things I need to really focus in on and work on in the off season, those are things I think of first. Uh, and then also uh, for me, uh, don't yet have the calendar planned out yet. Perhaps maybe we should talk about how to plan a calendar out in some future podcast, Keith, but I know that I want to get some speed because I want to, I want to hit some new PRs across the 5k, the 10k, the half marathon distance. I want to up my FTP on the bike. So it's going to be setting the base for some really intense, shorter speed intervals on the run and the bike. So, so that's, those are kind of my main focuses, my objectives when we're having conversations and planning the training, uh, and really where we're going to be building the off season around. Right. And I think that was a good, uh, segue because I think the next, the next big part of your off season is identifying you know, the, your weaker areas. And I think that's one thing that we've already started to do with Michael is figure out what, what are the main things that need improvement. And so I think during the winter, that's, you know, whether that is speed or strength, um, endurance in some people's cases, um, that's what you can spend the time focusing on is making sure you bring those weaknesses up. And that could even be a specific sport. And so for me in particular, I'm planning to run a little less this winter and just make swimming and cycling a priority. And so every day when I go into my training, the, if something happens life-wise where I'm going to have to skip a session, I'm going to skip a run session. I'm not going to swim, skip a swim or a bike um, because I think that those are two things that I need that will help me the most. And so I know a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are probably age groupers. You probably don't have a lot of time. And so it's identifying those weaknesses and probably saying, I really like to do this one thing, but it's not what I need to be doing. And I think that just shifting that focus more to what you need to be doing it might not be as fun but it's going to make everything better in the long run. Yeah. And again, like I know Keith, you and I, we just have such different perspectives on where we come from, but you're, you're an accomplished runner. So you can say, Hey, I'm not going to do the run. But I, when I look across most triathletes, I see, or that I'm racing against, um, most of them would probably be like me where I'm going to say, I'm going to skip the swim. In fact, I've canceled my gym membership entirely. I'm just not going to swim until I absolutely have to. Uh, and I have to get the runs in that's probably priority one. Um, when I, when I think about, Hey, where's the area that I can improve the most, but, but I, you know, I know the age groupers that, that I'm thinking about are a lot different than the front of the pack and the, and the, the pros and the former pros that, um, of the likes of yourself. So. Right. And I think that for those of you that do need to improve your run, 
it doesn't hurt to do some winter running races because it does keep it exciting. I know if you're thinking triathlon all the time and your your last race is September, October, and you don't get to race again until April, May, June, depending on where you live, uh, that's a really long time to just train without having having a race or having some fun um, in a real, you know, exciting setting other than other than just being at home. Yeah. So, what's the what is the funnest thing you're looking forward to in the off season? It, it, it I think it's probably running races. I yeah. Mean, that's. Yeah, that's that's what we look forward to in the winter because it's a little bit too cold. We used to have some good duathlons around here, uh, but we don't anymore. And so, yeah, just gonna jump into some running races because it's fun. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try to do a turkey trot. You know, around the Thanksgiving, it's a turkey trot's perfect. You get to get out, you get a little run in before you feast. You also maybe your whole family doesn't go out there. So you get to get away from a little bit of that life stress before, before you spend the rest of the day with them. So, um, I'm looking forward to potentially getting in a Turkey trot if I can find one around me here. So awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that really covers the conversation around the off season. Um, next time we get together, we're going to get together right after Ironman California, Keith, we're going to talk a little bit about those results. We're also going to share some more updates around our training uh, and provide some additional coaching advice for all the listeners out there. So if you found this podcast helpful, please make sure to hit the subscribe button. Uh, give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And if not, let us know what we can do to earn those five stars. We'd really appreciate your comments and your feedback. Um, with that, thanks a lot, everybody for watching and we'll talk again soon. Yep. And um, if you want to learn any more about either of us, we'll, we'll leave some links in the show notes. Michael has a very good YouTube channel. And uh, we have a triathlon team down here in Fort Worth called Fort Worth TC. And so we'll, we'll link those in the show notes if you want to learn a little bit more about Michael or me. Perfect. So, yeah. Thanks, thanks for listening. Thanks a lot, Keith. Thanks, Michael. Bye, everybody.